Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Allow me to interrupt. Allow your ears to hear this afresh. We hear these words so many times. Let us try to recognize how challenging you are. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to the one who abuses you. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand them over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you. Do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good alike, and causes his rain to fall on the just. brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So, be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Perfect people out there? Yes, Jesus commands us to be perfect. This gospel passage continues to come from the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Matthew. Today will be the last time we hear from that sermon. Next week will be Lent. We'll be in the desert. Today, reading will follow from the last week. Last week, we learned that the law given before Jesus came was good, but it only played a role in salvation history until Christ came. The law was intended to limit the hurtful effect until Jesus was the remedy of sin for some and fullness for some. And so, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus is pointing out, as we said last week, how he's come to fulfill the law. 
do the right thing? It's hard. I know that. But it really makes a powerful difference. That's the kind of witness that we need to bear. So that's part of the teaching this morning. Again, it features more pertinent examples than anything it's been. The first thing I think of is that I have limited time teaching young children and they get in a fight in the playground. One person hits another, and then they say, well, they hit me first. And, you know, the teacher would always say, well, you shouldn't have hit them anyway. But as adults, we still do the same type of statement. You know, I, they don't talk to me. I don't talk to them. They didn't come visit me when I was sick. I'm not going to go visit them. Whatever it may be. Jesus said, bond to evil more difficult to say. He says, you, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, if you're any scripture scholars out there, you'll know that there is nowhere in the Old Testament does it say, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In Leviticus, the first reading today, we heard the command elsewhere, too, a similar form, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But what Jesus is quoting here was the common interpretation of that law over time. Because just like the first law, if it says you should love your neighbor, your countrymen, your family, that implies you can hate your enemy, or hate the foreigner, or hate someone you don't agree with. And so Jesus articulates what was the common have been harmed tremendously by sin, and it's hard to even think about loving those who hurt us. But sympathetically, and also acknowledging that what Jesus is saying here is extremely challenging, and one might even say impossible for human someone who is a victim of a terrible crime, or a family member who has lost to death a loved one due to a terrible tragedy. You say, it's not I know this scripture. You can hear it said sometimes, and it's understandable that I will never forgive. We will never forgive. We won't rest until they suffer the same fate as the pain they caused us.
I talk to people about some of the hardest things to do, and it's understandable. But forgive others just to love your enemies. Why must we forgive others? It's helpful for me to think of a few reasons in the Council of Rome. Number one, Jesus said so. That means a lot. Jesus is saying, I've come into this world to make it a better place, to transform it. Do it all by myself, so I'll come back at the end of time and power. I need disciples that will help me. And even if you don't fully understand it, you got to do what I'm saying so that Jesus can transform people. Number two, you probably know this, carry that unforgiveness, that hate, that resentment. understand what forgiveness is. It doesn't mean we forget. It doesn't mean we trust another person who can seemingly proven untrustworthy. We must act accordingly. But it does mean we let go of that anger and that resentment. It does mean we don't judge them. We let God judge them since we don't have the right to judge them. from us can be restored by God. And we don't need to look for them to apologize or to make up for it. God can. And so, forgiving others ultimately is having greater trust in Jesus and God. Number six, letting that be Today, speaking by tongue, I very much God's love is so powerful that there's nothing in this world that can compare with it. And once we recognize that, all these things seem less significant. Here's a silly example. Hopefully this has happened to you. Have you ever had a time in your life where you were really in love with another person? Or really at a moment in your relationship where it was powerful and you were feeling the glow of that love? And then something happens. I don't know. Take the spouse at the moment, and then the child misbehaves. It becomes a much less real. You respond, you don't react. You act with mercy and patience and love because you're in such a great relationship with that person. We're meant to live our whole life that way, to live in the shadow of God's love, to know that love so completely that it makes us more like God Get my daily dose of God's love. I'm a single person. 